You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Because I, I can space things off real easy. Um, and I don't okay. know, maybe that's how we'll start uh, uh, this week's episode of Geekiest Show Ever, is that I space things off once in a while and I forget crap. You're but... also disappearing because you're kind of, it's almost <laughs> like you have a green screen back there. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm experimenting with a background here in uh, in Skype just because. Um are you saying we're spacey? Uh, I'm I'm not Kevin Spacey. Um, <laughs> Thank God for that. Yeah, probably so. Uh, I'll, I'll take his money and his fame. All the other stuff is like, yeah, no, that. There you go. Keep that. But um, yeah, so you know, we're just we're, we're just starting out this week. We're like, say, we're a little spacey. We're still kind of, um, I don't know. Get a brain. Yeah, I don't know. You know, it's not like any of us are the quarantine's <laughs> totally changed. Gone. <laughs> yeah, it's not like it's changed our lives a lot. Although, uh, I get, Melissa, you got the kids home, but Elisa yeah. and I, we're kind of going along like we always have. They're uh, filling in all uh, any available space that I once had. Sure. And before so. we forget, belated Happy Mother's Day to all the moms yep. out there. It's yep. Mother's happy Day as we Mother's record. Day. This is this is our Mother's Day break. This was my get the hell away from me. I'm closing the door. <laughs> Give me some me time. <laughs> And I uh, did a little work for my wife outside and moved a uh, a windmill that we had outside oh. and got that situated. So and it was a little a little nippy here. I mean, it was like forty uh, mm. some degrees today. So um, it was. But you a didn't chilly. have snow like we did. We had a little bit last night. A few flakes flew across just to say we ain't done yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, Mother Nature's got to get her digs in. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, she's she's not a happy camper. Yeah. <laughs> no. The last no. two days we've woken up to a coating of snow. We haven't been that bad. She's very pissed that not the people are not following the rules of the quarantine and they're not mm-hmm. cleaning up their shit. So no. could be. Yes. Yeah. Exacting her revenge. So like I say, we had 50s today, yesterday. I think this next week is going to be kind of cool yet too. By the end of the week, I think we're supposed to get up to 60s. Um and, we uh, might hit 80. Yes. Um, and that's what always happens here. We go from freezing your ass off mm-hmm. to sweating it off. There's mm-hmm. never in between. We go from winter to summer to winter to summer. Mm-hmm. Extreme weather. Yeah. Yeah. It's like kind of the same way in South Dakota. It's like uh, it can be uh, last week we were up into, uh, what was it last week? A couple of days we were hit 70s, and yeah, then we dropped down to 50, and we'll get back up there eventually. And not, and then we have um, uh, Miss Warm out there all the time. Uh, what's your weather supposed to look like this week, or don't I want to know? Yeah, over here in Oppositeville, <laughs> the, the, the underside of, of everything over here, it's like opposite of what you guys got. It got really hot really fast, like unseasonably. Like, it was fucking april april and it was like 101 degrees and we're like what the hell's going on now it's may and it's still hot and then today we had one of those weird days and this i i do kind of remember around this time last year we have this weird thing happen where i can look out the window and it is sunny and it was like 90 degrees earlier it's now 88 degrees now because we had rain it was raining and it was completely hot and sunny out and raining it like doesn't compute even after i've lived here for all these years it's still really, really weird. And I even said to my husband, I said, is it just me? I said, is it like, you know, you hear this noise and you're like, is that, is that rain? Because you look outside and it doesn't match. It does not compute. It, it's like really hot and sunny. You expect that you're going to open the door. It's going to take your breath away. And you're going to say, fuck that and go back inside. And you hear this noise and you're like, but it's, it's raining. And I said, that's just weird. Is that weird to you? And he goes, yeah, it's weird to me. Because he's lived in the shower. Southwest all. 
Yeah, I guess. Sun shower. That's I where guess. you get them. It's a, just a sun shower. I don't remember experiencing it when I lived in Pennsylvania. It just seemed like rain always equated dark and gloomy and dr- and it always smelled like a wet dog all the time. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, oh, you open up. The- and even Keegan was like, mom, mom, smell. Come here, smell. You can smell the rain. And so out here, you like the smell of the rain. It actually does smell good because it releases like creosote and other kind of plants and stuff. And then, you, of course, you promptly come in and start sneezing your head off. So that's why I have the, the, the cough mic ready to go because I don't have coughing going on, but I have sneezing going on. So. I had to get all my sneezes out before I got on today. <laughs> well, and you see, in this part of the country, uh, there's a, uh, a wives' tale. We have many wives' tales when it comes to the weather. One of them is if the uh, if it rains while the sun shines, uh, it's supposed to rain the next day, I think, or something like that. Um, so it's, I don't know, it's one of those things. Sometimes it works out, sometimes it doesn't. What about when the cows lay down? They're tired. But doesn't that mean something? Um, I thought it I meant like beyond they're they're tired. I thought when they when they laid down or they they acted a certain way, you well, could tell when weather was coming. If they kind of like start to group together, that may be an it's, indication that uh, there may be a pressure change coming through, and they sense there may be bad weather. So, so um, that's like legit. That's not a wives' tale. Like there's there's definitely right. something going on when they start moving right. close together. Yeah. But I thought it I thought it went it when they laid down cuz normally they're standing all the time. I thought it meant a tornado was coming. Cuz cows sleep standing up. That's you wouldn't have cow tipping without that. <laughs> sure. Right? Let me take you snipe hunting sometime too. <laughs> I never did it, but I was told about it. <laughs> sure. Yeah, well just come out here. I'll give you give you all an education on that stuff. <laughs> and, and speaking of education, um, uh, Elisa came across this article from uh, Fortune, the 100 Greatest Designs of Modern Times. It kind of piqued our interest because um, we were looking at it. And, you know, some of these things, you some you expect. Um, I mean, like, you know, number one right off the list, which I'm pretty sure would be on, uh, you know, I, I don't know if I'm stealing anybody's thunder here because we each kind of picked uh, our our favorites from the list. You know, the iPhone. I mean, you know, that, you know, right. you know that kind well, of. Well, we wanted to see how much we would agree on that. Sure. Or, or you know, and, well, the criteria I kind of used was, uh, uh, you know, the designs that, you know, that they picked that I thought kind of uh not affected me, but, you know, had an influence on my life or something like that. Yeah, me too. And this is, you know, what they consider the. Uh, uh, well, what was it here? Now they're, um, uh, what was the criteria they used? Designs that was what influential and, um, oh, oh, set the standard. Yeah, why don't uh, we just, say, why don't it's we'll link synonymous, to it in the show notes? It's, um, 60 years ago, the word design was synonymous with the aesthetics of the finished product. Today, the emphasis is on how elegantly the product or service performs its specific function or purpose. And this is from Fortune.com, and it's the 100 Greatest Designs of Modern Times. Yes. And so, like I say, I looked at the list, and, you know, I was looking at... um, you know, like say the ones that because uh, we got a hundred here, and you know we can't talk about all hundred. So I think we all just kind of picked some that piqued our interest just, for whatever reason. Randomly. Well, why don't we just just go down the list, sure. and when you see something, say sure. something. Um, like number two, like what what caught my eye with this list, and I only read the top fifty because that's all they published in the magazine. But there were so many Apple products. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Number two was the Macintosh from nineteen eighty four. 
that started the personal revolution, uh, computer revolution. Which is interesting that that is number two and not number one because they have iPhone listed as number one. So it's it's actually like iPhone kind of, you know, nudged it down to number two. That's interesting. Well, and then also, oh, go ahead, Mike. Well, I was going to say the iPhone. You know, I mean that kind of jump started our mobile computing. I mean, we had mobile computing before the iPhone, but this is the one that really took it. You know, solidified it. Uh, you know, you were able to get. Uh, uh, cell da uh, data and you were able to connect to Wi-Fi so you were able to get your computing with you taken with you all the time um, yeah the Macintosh I think you know kicked off the whole computer yeah, so I would have put that yeah. at number one. I mean, right. that's number one on my list. Yeah, it certainly was. I, mean, I know the... I'm biased. I know we're very biased. This is sure. the geekiest show ever. But yeah, yeah, that's that's really high up on the list there. I'd be hard pressed to find something that would I that I could really put above that. Sure. Well, and okay, you know, so like you say, um, I have a, a, a I just made a list over here, and the one that I kind of picked, which was at 86, which I think kind of ties in here, was the Unix operating system, which basically. Um, Macintosh is based off of it's uh, uh, Linux, Unix, Mac, and uh, the Mac OS is all a, a Unix uh, like operating system. And you know, the win, you know, it, the main, the biggest selling computer is Windows, and you know, that's a completely different operating system than, than the Unix operating system. But you know, I think it was the Unix one that kind of put us where we're at, it gave us. Uh, like I say, the the Mac, the the Linux operating system, which I think has had an influence on a lot of things, um, which kind of ties into another one I picked, number fifty four, the Raspberry Pi. I don't think that would be yep, what it is. That's on my list too. Yep, that wouldn't be where it's at without the Linux um, operating system there. And you know, I think the the thing that Unix, uh, which spawned you know Linux, brought to the table is the fact that this was uh, computing for the 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 masses. How am I trying to say? Open source software that wasn't tied to a company. So there's like thousands of Linux distributions out there. So the thing is, anybody can kind of whip up one, put their own little design on it, do their stuff. And so I think that made it more um, open to the people. So, you, I mean, if you really want to, you can go out there and find really specific sort of Linux systems to do the, the things you want. And I think that added something to, you know, what we're doing here now. And certainly, uh, you know, Linux uh, and Unix runs a lot of servers, a lot of the backbone of the Internet. So, uh, you know, to put it down at 86, I mean, there's some other stuff in between here. But, and I, you know, they're looking at overall. I think if we were talking computers in just, you know, technology in general, I would move it up higher because certainly it's had an influence on a lot of things. Well, on that vein, I would also go with number three and number 11, which are Google search engine. Mm -hmm. And number 11 is Google Maps. Yep. Yeah, I wouldn't be able to leave the house without Google Maps. <laughs> and I don't care. I don't care for Apple Maps. I always use Google. I really don't. To be honest, I, I agree with you. I have a really hard time. This is what what really kind of kills me is like out of the whole Apple eco, out of the whole Apple ecosystem and all the things that I teach my clients and my kids and everybody around me how to use, that's one of those sticking points where I'm like just don't bother with it because it's going to cause you grief. I really wish that wasn't the case. I, I really, really do. I would like to be able to refer everyone to Apple Maps. I really would. And I think back. I think you know what. I think they should have kept it the way that it was from the very beginning. I wish that wouldn't have changed. I understand why it did. 
Apple used to have a business deal with Google. And do you guys remember in the very first iterations of iOS where the Maps app, we didn't have this Apple Maps and Google Maps. Wasn't it just Maps, but it was it was fueled by Google? It yeah. was Google Maps, basically. And then I guess there was an expiration of the business agreement or the proprietary or, or something that they had between the two companies. And then that's when things got branched off. And I kind of, I just wish that that had never happened. I don't know what would have had to have changed. Maybe somebody else can, can let us know. I don't remember exactly what the business dealings and dealings were in the history of that, but I would, I guess I would like to know, I would like to understand better, you know, why did that have to change? Why couldn't that have stayed the same? What was it about their deal between the two companies that made it split and fork off like that? Because then you ended up with this bifurcation or this, um, you know, this, this split that just ended up confusing people. And I can't tell you how many times I have thought, okay, I'll get, and maybe it's, I don't know, maybe it's a, um, a self-fulfilling prophecy or something, but it's like every time I've ever used Apple Maps to go and do something, you know, and, and the reason why I would do that is because you can control it with your voice and say, hey, S lady, you know, take me to, give me di- driving directions to, and then give it the address, all without ever taking your eyes off the road, all without ever taking your hands off the steering wheel. And I really, really dig that. I use that feature a lot. And I was so, so grateful when they made it so that we could then say that same command phrase, but then add on with Google Maps, because now I can do those those same kinds of things. But I miss being able to say, like, what's my next turn? But see, I don't need to use it as much, because that was the problem that I had with Apple Maps was... She wouldn't tell you when you were supposed to turn until you had passed the turn or until you were right on top of it. And she wouldn't tell you which lane to be in. And those are the little details that you really need to have when you're a mom and you've got kids in the backseat, you know, and you're distracted and you're you're trying to get someplace. You're trying to get someplace you haven't been before. Those little details really, really matter to let you know which lane to be in before the turn is coming up, not right at the turn. So I just I wish that it had just stayed the way that it was. That makes me sound like a curmudgeon, but it was a good thing <laughs> and it got ruined. So, yes, well, definitely, definitely mapping systems on a mobile device that work really well is a really, really great thing. And I think it has really been literally life changing because I don't think I would have been able to get out and do the kind of consulting and the kind of well, not anymore right now. But up until this point, I don't think I would have been able to have my business be as you know little success that I have had without that ability to be able to just go find a place, go find a client's home and be able to go get to them. You know what I mean? Without getting yeah. lost. In, so yeah. I think that that's crucial. Well, and, and for me out here, you know, Google Maps, they, you know, they certainly had a head start on, on Apple. And um, I think uh, Apple is getting their information from uh, the open map. What was the name? I forget the, the consortium, but you know it was uh, I think kind of crowdsourced, and the Apple takes in the information to add it to theirs. But you know, thing out for me, like out here in Sticksville, um, Google had a lot of this stuff mapped, and Apple, you know, not so much. They're catching up; they're getting better. But um, you know, and just when it came to the thoroughness of it, certainly out here, uh, Google had the leg up. And so I've always, I, I, you know, the problem is like you were saying. Apple is uh, Maps is built into the operating system, and so that's the ones that's going to come up when you you know do certain things. And so, yeah, I wish you it's could. It's the just, default. Yes, uh, and there is work workarounds to make Google work, but you know, like say they're kind of workarounds. I just wished it was you know integrated into the system. Well, for that you have to get a Google phone, and you know that's another. Uh, 
set of, you know, he- not headaches, but just, you know, it's a different operating system, and uh, everybody has their own take on that. But um, Well, it needs to work, and it needs yes. to work reliably each and every single time. And there were too many times, like I said, it could have been a self-fulfilling prophecy because I was once bitten, twice shy, but so, so many times, too many times did I rely on Apple Maps to get me somewhere that I hadn't been before, and it took me to the wrong place and right. maybe late. And that was enough yep. to piss me off. You know, I use it if I'm having like if I'm like, say, like, let's say if I'm like flared up and I'm, you know, just kind of foggy and stuff. And I do actually, even though I know how to get home from a place or I know how to get to some other place from a place, I know how to get it. But I get like either distracted or I just need like that little bit of help. I will use it just as like a backup brain, so to speak, and just sure. kind of let me know. Yeah, the turn's coming up. You know, it might be just after I passed it, but at least I can kind of, you know, it kind of jogs my memory a little bit and helps out a little bit. So it's good for some things. Right. And it's beautifully designed. It's even, I would argue it's even more beautifully designed. It looks nicer than Google Maps in a lot of ways. I just want it to function as close to flawlessly as Google Maps does. Now, Google Maps isn't without its flaws. There have been times where there's been construction and it practically has a seizure because it keeps repeating the turn over and over again because it can't parse the information that's new. But it's not it's not enough to have said, oh, this I'm never using this again because it, it screwed me over. So right. I just wanted to function better. Well, and then kind of, you know, uh, spinning off on that, you know, not go, uh, the nonconformists like me who don't do it the Apple way, I put uh, Spotify on my list here because I don't do Apple music. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I'd like to say I got into Spotify. Well, I was into several, and I've kind of narrowed it down to Spotify and uh, 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 Pandora. Pandora, thank you. I could picture the, I could, it's like I podcast you with you for like yeah years. something like, like that. I know you or and, something. And like I said, I had the icon in my head. Do you think I could get the name out? No, uh, but no, I put uh, Spotify down there because I use that a lot. And you know, mainly, I I started when I started getting all my digital assistants around the house here. Um, mm-hmm. Apple wasn't on them. Maybe, like I say, maybe if they had been a little bit more open at the time, maybe I would have gone with uh, Apple. But like I say, I'm now in the Spotify camp, and you know, and I like it. It works pretty good. Uh, it does pretty good at um, predicting music I want to hear because I keep favoriting songs and you know, creating a, a favorites playlist. And it's starting to kind of learn my musical tastes and stuff. And you know, overall, it's not a bad. Uh, bad thing because i think uh they took over was it rdo uh which i think had a good uh reputation for helping people pick music and rolled it in there and so um you know like i say for those who don't want to go down the apple music route uh spotify you know works pretty good it's been out there a long time you know it's survived after you know some of the others haven't so um and you know overall the easy use i think is is pretty good Keeping with the Apple, um, the rest of the Apple items on number 10 on the list is the iPod designed Mm -hmm. by Jonathan Ive. That was from 2001. Number 14 was the MacBook Pro, also designed by Jonathan Ive in 2006. Number 22 is the App Store. Uh, It says Apple 2008. Manufacturers used to control what was on your phone. The App Store lets you decide. And then number 29 is iOS, 2007. 
operating system installed on 1.5 billion devices. Simple to use, powerful enough for serious work. Then we have, no, that was 29, then number 46, so we go down a little bit, and that is the Apple Watch, which I'm surprised isn't a little bit further up the list, but still, again, like you were saying, Melissa, I think it was Melissa, if it was just Apple, if it was just computer products, it would probably be further up the list. Mm -hmm. And then finally, number 64 is Apple Pay. Hmm. And I've, I've praised Apple Pay constantly i love apple pay it just oh. works so quickly and it's it, so easy to use and if we have it like I say we have a few places where we shop where they have apple pay and i hope that you know there gets to be more of them because like i say it is easy and you know now with all the you know the virus stuff this gives you one more way to pay without having to you know physically touch anything so um yeah i would like to see more of that and if i could you know train my wife to use it too because you know it's still a lot easier than getting your card out and doing all that yeah we have a situation right now actually where a family member who is you know older and high risk has a situation where they're going to pay a teenager to come over and take care of their lawn and you know do some of that kind of stuff and they want to be able to pay the teenager and i really wish that i could get this person on board with using something like zelle or apple pay or something like that now of course you're at the mercy of whatever that other person in this case it's a teenager on their cell phone what payment system are they set up with you know and, and how are they old enough to be able to accept it you have to be over the age of 13 i believe so it, it could be either zelle or venmo any of those contactless payment systems I would like to see a bigger push along with security uh, for teaching people like this family member of mine who's in this situation to be able to utilize that stuff because now they're up against, well, I want to pay this person, but they're going to have to put cash in like a, a Ziploc bag or something like that. They're going to have to deal with cash. What are they going to do? Like the kid, you know, worked for X amount of hours and then they're, they're going to have to like say, okay, now go across the street. I'm going to go put the money in a bucket and then I'm going to go inside and then you can come get it. I mean, it's just, it's kind of awkward and it would be a heck of a lot better and you'd be able to keep track of it a lot better, too, if you could do contactless payment. And so that's going to be my next thing that I work on trying to trying to teach them how to utilize these different payment services. Yeah. Um, and, you know, kind of I'm just going to kind of go down my list and then we can kind of jump over to everyone else's here. Um, I've got the Nokia 3210 telephone because, you know, we uh, I don't know. Did all of us have one of those at yeah. one point? No, mm -hmm. I never had Nokia. Okay. I had I, I had the Motorola Razor. Mm. Uh, okay. I never had a Razor. You know, in me as a as a Gen Xer, I never learned how to text with the keypad like quickly. Like I could do it, but I would be hunting and pecking for a long, long oh, time. Oh, it was a pain because if it yeah. was if it was you know number one was A B C, so yeah. you had to like tap it once for A, twice for B, and three times for C, yep. and then you had to make sure if the word was say cat, and you did. Right. One, two, three, one, it ended up being D, you know, uh -huh. or something, you know, it's like, ah. Oh. Yeah, and for a yeah. while there, like, there were still people that were still using razors and other types of phones where they had to text that way. And so you couldn't have, a, like, like, Lisa, you and I, we have these conversations and text because we're in different time zones and, you know, got different things going on. But you could never do that. We could never have that kind of a, a relationship and conversation if we had to text like that. Oh. And for a while there, you saw people, you could tell 
when like they're either just a person a few words or they have a razor <laughs> it just can only text like yes or no or you know really short short answers right well and and for me you know the uh the whole mobile computing thing and i think the nokia was our first uh uh, cell phone that we had probably through uh, Straight Talk, I believe it was, and you know just being able to have a mobile phone. So because you know otherwise you'd have to be arranged to be at a phone at a certain time for somebody to mm. call you or you know whatever the whole phone tag thing. And so you know for me that was a uh, a game changer because then you could be anywhere within cell phone reception, which out here is a little sketchy sometimes. Um, but mm-hmm. you could have the cell phone, and so you know you could be anywhere. And you know now it's uh, I always kid because my I say my iPhone here my uh, is my uh, mobile office because I, you know, the people it really get home is. anytime, yeah. Uh, and so, like I say, but you know, you know, credit to the the pioneers, you know, uh, and you know the Nokia. I, you know, I'm pretty sure you could beat that thing with a hammer and it'd go, yeah. Uh, maybe you'd scratch the paint. They were like, you know, damn near indestructible, um, which was a good thing because as you, you when you're first learning how to deal with these things, you kind of want them to be sturdy and stand up because. I don't know. But I don't remember what those things were when we bought them. You know, now you can buy them for what, like thirty dollars or something like that. But I'm sure it was like a few hundred dollars when you bought your first one there. Um, and uh, you know, kind of tying it with with first. Well, okay. The other thing that's telephone related that got here is the telephone area code, because um, then that was able to divide the country into uh, you know areas and be able to call. Uh, so. You know, you can start narrowing it down. It's like an IP address that so you can, you know, you got your area code and then you got your prefix and you got your telephone number. So you scroll on down, narrow it down. And for me, the whole state of South Dakota is the 605 area code. And so on like June 5th, 605, uh, that's kind of like South Dakota Day because, um, you know, that's our, that's how we identify ourselves. We're the, the 605 area here. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, for us in the state here, that's kind of a, a, a thing that we're unnaturally attached to our area code because it defines the whole state. Um, and so, like I say, it's just, we're just a little weird about that one. Um, and then the other thing that, you know, when it comes to first is like the Netscape browser. Did, did any of you? I used Netscape. Yes, oh, I, I used Netscape loved it. On my, loved um, it. on my G3 iMac. Mm. Me too. My G3 Mac is what I used it on. The beige, like, you know, after the Performa Mac. <laughs> I think I remember using it. I'm pretty sure I did. But, you know, the weird thing was way back in the day, you had to, like, buy a browser, and I was too damn cheap to go out and, you know, pay for anything. Eventually, they became uh, free. I don't recall that, don't, except yeah, I don't maybe, recall buying a browser. maybe Opera. Maybe, maybe yeah. But I think, because mm-hmm. remember how Internet Explorer for Mac came with, like, what was what was right. it, iOS 9? I got onto Macs oh, Mac in OS seven nine? point yep. yeah Mac Mac seven point uh, iOS uh, not iOS OS seven point five yeah me is too. when I got my first Mac mm-hmm. and I think it was up through nine mm-hmm. you used Internet Explorer for Mac mm-hmm. but then I would also try with Internet I tried Netscape Navigator and wasn't there another one um, wasn't there yes and I'm trying to think of what it was because <laughs> oh. I I used to switch between them yeah yes. Well, let's see. Sea Monkey was uh... no, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't use that. I think I dabbled in Opera a little bit. Netscape, I mean, there was I... AOL, but that was. I mean, Netscape that was, that was I tried AOL using was for like email. people who didn't know or care what they were doing. Netscape Navigator was like if you really wanted to customize things. I mean, I had it all tweaked out. 
And I and well, in, in, in our Explorer, I had it all tweaked out. I had it, you know, my purple color. I changed the fonts. I had everything routed like through. I had a whole workflow developed in, in either of those two things. I, I loved organizing the bookmarks and the mail and just I could just, you know, kind of whiz through things. And I was on dial up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. No, dial up. Yeah, and let's not forget that there was a lot of uh, websites that advertised optimized for Internet Explorer, optimized uh-huh. for uh, mm-hmm. Netscape. Uh, right. And that was a thing because, you know, you maybe had to have the right browser to get to some of these websites if you wanted to see everything. You know, now it's just like everything mostly works. Um, mm-hmm. There's still some rough spots once in a while. But like I say, you can take any browser and pretty much go anywhere and do anything you want. But, you know, for a time there, that that was a deal. Um and like I say, I'm just I'm trying to remember because I, you know, when I started doing the internet, I was on a Windows computer, and so you know we had Internet Exploder. I mean Explorer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and that was you know, but you know, like I say, there was that thing that, you know, some websites just wouldn't work on just certain browsers. Load. Yeah, yeah. And, I hated that. In fact, I we still see remnants of that today. I was just helping a family member out with um, they had to do their first telehealth you know, via video appointment on their, on their phone. And uh, it's actually on my Twitter feed. I was given the company hell because their instructions were not very clear at all. And in the email that came from the doctor, they used the term, they used the the instructions. They said, copy and paste this URL into your browser. And for somebody who's over 70, they don't understand what that means. And why would you on an iPhone, why would you copy and paste a link into a browser. That's a holdover. That's old instructions from back in the day, like you were saying, Mike, where certain sites would not load into your given web browser and you had to copy and paste that URL into a different web browser. It's like, come on. They should have just said, tap the link and then had like alternate instructions for people that were on, you know, some kind of antiquated system or something. But come on. It was just, it was just bad. Well, and let's not forget, I really hope it's a thing of the past, but there was a few companies that still required, at least for their internal stuff, Internet uh, or I, uh, IE7 to work because their stuff mm-hmm. was all geared towards that. And nobody wanted to take the time to update it to a more modern browser. And like yep. it said, medical. I, yeah. Medical places. I, I worked for a place, a medical place where. They wanted to go Mac. They wanted to have all Apple products, and they wanted to use Mac OS for everything. And there was one thing out of their whole workflow that they could not use a Macintosh for. And because at that time, I mean, and even now, you can't run Internet Explorer on Mac anymore unless I guess you have a, you know, uh, uh, an emulator or something like that. And I even tried to get them to do that, and they wouldn't. And the the medical personnel or whatever said, nope, it's got to be a PC. You have to go out and spend another 400 bucks or whatever it's going to be just on a PC for the sole purpose of being able to run Internet Explorer because this one particular piece of software would only run in it. It had to do with, it had to do with reading x-rays and that was it. It's just like out of all of everything else, you had to separate that one thing out just because like you said, they didn't want to have to rewrite their code, I guess, or whatever to be able to optimize it on a different operating system yet. Yet never mind you spend thousands of dollars for the other supporting systems that go along with that. Right. Um, I'll, I'll, I've got three more here I'll throw out quick, and then uh, we'll see what uh, you guys got or what your thoughts are. Uh, I've got Legos. Didn't I didn't quite... So do I. Yes. That's a good one. Okay. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I, I was uh, too old for Legos, but my kids had plenty of them, and I've stepped on plenty of them. <laughs> oh, and, who hasn't? And, and, yeah. my, and my, my oldest son... 
my oldest son Eric, uh, I you know I mentioned here before, uh, high functioning autistic, but he did a lot of stuff with Legos, and so he would create like uh, sports stadiums with Legos and a lot of things like that. And I think they still got buckets of Legos around here because we just don't throw stuff out. But uh, I'm pretty sure that he's got several buckets of uh, Legos uh, at his place. But you know that was something that spurred kids' creative imaginations and did a lot of things. Uh, so there's that. There's Amazon Prime, which I I've cut back some, but I still ways, use a little way too often. But it just made shopping so damn much easier. Mm, well, you can just yeah. browse and shop. And then the last one I have is the Viewmaster. Hey, That's that was mine, mine too. too. Okay. I still have my Viewmaster. Do you? From really? 1967. <gasps> oh my and gosh! The, and one of the things I have is Batman. Mm. <laughs> Uh, wow. and that was, that was a treat. You know, you get the little disc, you put it in there. I don't know if we still uh-huh. have ours around here or not. Maybe, but you know, things like hey. the Grand Canyon and, you know, st- yep. stereo, what they call it? stereoscopic view or whatever. So you could get like the, the whole 3d thing, but you know, um, okay. I, I had a Yogi up. bear and you know, for it's an like, old... I'm really, hung... yeah, they should have had Mr. Potato head on here because oh, I still yes. have my Mr. Potato head. Uh, I'm hmm. not around here too yet. Um, but you know, uh, and you know, sound like we're going to sound like old fogies here. But back in the day when you had to use your imagination, those things, Mister Potato Head and the Viewmaster, was one of those things that you could just sit there and it was, you know, simple mm, for the mm. time. I don't know if I would say it was cheap, but it was not so expensive. Um, but you just get these uh, cards and put in there, and you could transport yourself to a, a different place and read a different story. And you know, it was simple, but it you know spurred the imagination. Maybe there's things like that nowadays, but I don't know. I think I'm just sounding like an old fogey, you know. No, it. no, I can relate to it, and yeah. I'm I'm on my way to being an old fogey. Okay. Uh, I, I guess I had one other. I'm just going to throw it because the photographer in me, the Polaroid SX70. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because how many of those? Uh, was it the Polaroid or the uh, Kodak? No, I think it was Polaroid that you pulled. The original ones, you sat there. Polaroid. Yeah, pull, that was Polaroid. Yeah, and you sat there, and you had to let it uh, do its thing, and then you pulled the paper off, and you kind of had, had to, to wave it, yeah. wave it yep. a little bit and do all Love that. It. And then I think there was, um, you had to run this uh, thing, this coating over it to, like, preserve it so it wouldn't keep doing the, the process. Because I remember my brother-in-law had one of those, and he took a fair amount of Polaroid pictures. And I remember all of that stuff because he was just fascinating as a kid watch them pull it and wave it and i don't know what it's called but there is a new camera out that kind of emulates that same thing in fact they had it at a this is the thing you 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 talk about this old fogey kind of stuff but let me tell you as a as a mother who has teenagers it's coming back and Mm. people there's there's a there's a demand for these kinds of products because i guess the kids have found our stuff that we've played with and there's like my kid loves retro stuff he calls it retro what I call it too, <laughs> to be kind. Uh, but you know, if he sees something like that, he loves it. And one of the kids, you know, pre-quarantine, they they got together and there was like a little pool party or something. And one of the kids had one of those cameras. It wasn't Polaroid, but it emulated that. It it was it was just like that, and it it was tiny. I'll have to ask him what it was called, but it was a teeny tiny version of a Polaroid, and it would come out, and you had to wave it and wait for it to develop. It would like self-develop, 
but it, it mimicked that same kind of thing, and they just think those things are so awesome. They love them. Well, there's something to be said for just you know taking a picture and then passing it around for everybody to see it. I mean, yeah. now, now you can do it on your phone, but eh, no, it's just something about it's here. Pass this. Yeah, it's not the same. It's the mm-hmm. the immediacy of it and the intimacy of it. I think, um, and you can all sit there and look at it and laugh and you know share. A and it moment. had that extra border on the bottom, so you could write down. Yeah, yep. you know this, these do too. Yep. Yep. You know, you could write down your kids' names on and the date and right So there I think it's it. interesting that the younger generations are kind of pushing back a little bit on so much of the uh, not personal technology where maybe that's what's what's causing the demand for those kinds of products out there is the kids, they do want to be able to pass around something physical that they can share. I think that's really interesting. Hmm. So, Mike, I'm surprised there's one thing on here you didn't pick that I thought for sure you would pick. Which one is that? Number 12, Apollo 11 mission. Oh, uh-huh. well, okay, I did. Yeah, I skipped over. I did have it on there. Yeah, it's the second one down after Legos. Uh, yeah, I, I did the Apollo 11. Uh, yeah, I guess I was kind of speeding up here because I'm kind of monopolizing things. But yeah, the Apollo 11, yeah, that was, for me, certainly that was, because I remember as a kid sitting there watching it, watching the man land on the moons, uh, sitting in our living room on that July afternoon as a, you know, Walter Cronkite is, you know, narrating all this and you see him kind of like bouncing around there on the, on on the moon mm. and walking around and all this stuff. So yeah, certainly for me, because I think I've mentioned on here before that my mom kind of facilitated this too, because she took all the newspaper clippings and saved them and put them on brown uh, sheets of big, uh, like butcher paper type stuff and had mm-hmm. them in a book for me. And so, you know, she did all this stuff. And so, yeah, that was for me, certainly, uh, you know, was a pivotal moment in my life. And like I say, a lot of things came from that too, like Tang and, you know, the miniaturization of electronics that spurred a lot of the modern technology that we have. And, um, and like I say, that's spurred a lot of things. Yeah. Because, Nobody could figure out how to use a pencil. Um, but that, You know what? I, that's interesting. I'm glad you brought that up. Now I, I should go and dig and try to find the article for fairness sake. But I did read something interesting that everybody always says that, oh, well, they could have just used a pencil. And it turns out that the reason why they had to spend all that money and time and effort into developing a ballpoint pen was because the graphite would actually, the shavings as they wrote on the paper mm. would you know, get out into the air and then they would become magnetized and, and get stuck to things and cause problems or something to that effect, right? So yeah. I should try, try to find that because I always thought, yeah, that's what people always would, would say. We spend all this money and time and effort into a ballpoint pen when we could have used a pencil and then somebody kind of like debunked that. Well, here's why the ballpoint okay. pen was developed. So that, I, thought, I thought that was interesting. That actually makes sense uh, because, you know, zero gravity, things tend to float around and you wouldn't want those, especially in, I, I don't want to sound demeaning, but crude electronics like they had. Yeah, well, yeah, but in that kind of environment, you don't want those kinds of particles right. getting out and attaching themselves to something that was magnetized that they shouldn't be on. So, well, and yeah. gra- graphite is capable of carrying electricity, so um, yeah, you wouldn't want that. I'll stuff just see just if I can find around. something. So, trust but verify. So, don't take my word for it. But that I did read that recently, and I thought that was interesting. Well, that actually makes sense. So. Okay, so what do you guys have on your lists? So I thought maybe I'd, I'd take a – I was kind of taking notes as you guys were giving your list. And so, of course, we're going to have some overlap. And, you know, we got excited about the Viewmaster and the Macintosh, of course, and Google Maps and iPod and iPhone and Raspberry Pi and the Polaroid. Those were some of the ones that I would put in my top ten list. But now since you guys all mentioned, I can pick some other things. So I have seven remaining things that I would put up there in the top ten list of – 
of things that are well-designed, things that were rather life-changing, I would say, because that's kind of my criteria. Um, like personally, I wouldn't have chosen something like Spotify because something like Spotify is something that I feel like I could live without or I could do some other way than having to use that service and pay for it. Right. So, so maybe, you know, like you pick it because I mean, it is a great service and it's wonderful. It really is. But if I had to be hard pressed and I had to choose something else, or like if I had, you know, no other money to spend, then I would, I would probably put my, my time and effort into something else. And so like, like I have been doing that, you know, living on a really tight budget with a family to support, I can't afford to spend for Spotify right now, maybe sometime in the future I can. So I've been rolling my own with iTunes. Uh, and so to, to kind of dovetail into that, one of the things that I picked was the Sony Walkman. That was something that I remember from my childhood that I would, I would literally say that the Walkman got me through my teenage years. You know, that's a time. I still have mine. I believe it. Yeah, we still have some laying around that are the CD version. I don't think I have the cassette version anymore, but I lived on the cassette version. And like I kind of start to see my teenager do it a little bit. And that's why I try not to give him too, too much shit about it. Like he'll I even said to him, I said, you know, this is this is your teenager time and they need to be able to tune us out. You know, like that's just part of life. I accept that. And he has a set of over-the-ear Bluetooth headphones. And I prefer that he wears those opposed to the earbuds or the ear pods or anything inside of his ears because then I can see that he's got them on his head. In fact, um, since quarantine and since we live in such a small space, that has been one of the ways that we have attempted to at least, and it, it sometimes works, of setting boundaries. That when you see someone in the household and they have their headphones on, whether they're over the ear or in their ears. I have little black um, wireless earbuds that are clearly visible because I'm pasty <laughs> and I have my hair up like in a bun or something. So if they don't notice, I point to my ears like, hey, I this is my boundary. I need this time to myself. I need to both cut, cut through the noise. I need to have, whether it's just, you know, white noise or a podcast or something in my ears that's one way that, that we can kind of create sort of like a soft boundary in a way that says, hey, I'm off limits right now. I have my headphones on. If you really need me, you know, you can get my attention some other way or you can tell me, you know, it's really important. Hey, this phone call came through and we need to have this discussion now or something like that. But other than that, you know, the kids, they like to do it. They like to listen to like non-lyrical music or, you know, white noise when they're doing their homework and stuff like that. It's just one of the ways that we can create boundaries. So I would argue that the Walkman, specifically, you know, the Sony Walkman TPSL2 that's on this list, anything Walkman related is a life-changing product because it can help in those ways. And even today, we're still benefiting from the technology that created that. We're still utilizing some type of in-your-ears, I'm listening to some portable, make you know, sound noise maker and leave me alone. <laughs> it's like, piss off. I have my Walkman on, you know, and that's what got me through my, my teenage years that were, you know, going through a divorce in my family and a lot of other problems and stuff. That was my kind of thing that I leaned on when I would put my Walkman on and listen to my, my wham tape over and over and over again on repeat till it broke probably. And then I taped it together with a piece of tape and put the well, pencil in there and rewinded it. And <laughs> well, and I'm that old. <laughs> and I know they're talking about design here, but you just happened to made me think, you know, something that I guess I'm kind of surprised didn't make the list was like the transistor radio. Um, uh -huh. 
because you know for me that was a you know a, a game changer because you could actually carry your music with you otherwise you had to sit down in front of the one that was plugged in and you know you couldn't take it with you this i could you know take with me and listen to as i you know walked bring it around to bed the with you yeah. that's what i did mm-hmm. bring yeah. it to bed with you listen so take uh, it to the pool and those kinds of things yeah. you know before walkmans were popular yep we would take them to the pool and lay them on the on the beach towel and yeah, the, the personal devices, I would say, personal devices that free you, that untether you from some kind of industrial product, right? That That's the kind of stuff that I that I find really interesting. There's two more on the list that I kind of want to just, <laughs> I think they're important, and they're not actually very technical, but they're medical related, and I just think that they are game changers. They are life-changing, and they're very, very necessary, and I'm grateful that we have them. And those two things are the EpiPen and the tampon. And (laughs) so I'm just going to go over this real quick. I mean, you know, having the ability to be able to use tampons is pretty life changing when you're on the go and, you know, you're trying to take care of life. And that's you can draw your other own conclusions from that. But I think that that is a life changing and well-designed product that deserves to be on the list. And then the other one after that is the EpiPen. There was a time when... um, I worried about uh, stings and things like that. I was going through allergy testing and we were trying to figure out what exactly was causing all my problems. And I did have to keep an EpiPen on me for a while um, because I thought that, you know, the doctors thought that I, based on the tests that they did, that I might be very deathly allergic to, or at least not deathly allergic, but enough that it would really, really severely, um, you know, cause problems with breathing and things like that. So I did have to carry an EpiPen for uh, quite a while. And then, you know, as I changed my diet, my lifestyle and things like that, then I didn't, I wasn't reacting to things as much. So I think for other people who know for a fact that they are deathly allergic to, you know, bee stings and, you know, other kind of environmental factors, an EpiPen is a life-saving, life-changing thing that again, it's something that allows you to be untethered. It's, it's something that you can carry with you and you can go out into the world and do what you got to do, which is, you know, that makes me think of something like Google Maps. I mean, it's something that, uh, sure, I could have, you know, had a paper map and, uh, you know, I do know how to read a paper map and I have used triptychs and things like that and I know how to do that. But it is still life changing because it is something that frees you from having to be tied to a map and having to stop every so often and look at it, you can just kind of be on your way. It facilitates life is what I'm trying to say. Um, The other thing that I had on the list was the Olivetti Lettera 32 typewriter. So just, you know, typewriters in general, I think that you can kind of compare a typewriter in some ways to um, the Gutenberg printing press. I mean, typewriters are something that have allowed journalists and investigative reporters and anybody who has to type up things to get information out there in a neat, readable, legible, you know, it's it's about communication. I majored in communication design. So anything that facilitates communication that is designed well, that is efficient and easy to use, that gets something needed out into the world, I think is really, really important and deserves to be on that list. Um, and then along with that, that kind of dovetails into that, is the Futura typeface that came in at number 75 and just typefaces in general, but Futura specifically is a really nicely designed typeface. Um, But just typefaces in general that are designed in such a way that make what you're reading really readable, really legible, really beautiful to look at, really easy on the eyes. I mean, there's a lot, I studied this in college and I know that there's a lot of research and a lot of, of thought and care and love that goes into 
creating and designing a typeface. I mean, I've actually created by hand. It was like an assignment we had to do in college where we had to cut things out of shapes and design our own typeface. And there's a lot of work that goes into every little facet of, of a letter form. So that's something that I really appreciate. And let's see, I did one, two, three, four, five. And then there's two things left that I had on my list. And one is the orange handled scissors shears that come into number 66. <laughs> I just, you know, I'm a girl who who appreciates a really well-designed, well-weighted shears or scissors. Um, I don't know if you guys are like this, but it's like, those are my good scissors. Do not touch them. Do not use them to cut tape. Do not use them to cut anything else. Leave them alone. Do not touch them. They, we have the special scissors that nobody else is allowed to touch. So I'm one of those people that has like junky kind of scissors for other things and do not dare touch my orange handled. In fact, I have a, a purple set that's like that now, of course, but they're very similar to the orange handled shears. And then the last thing that I have is, and this isn't something that I use on a regular basis, but it is something that I know it's important to my family that my husband introduced me to. And that comes in at number 78 and it's the Leatherman pocket survival tool. That is going to be one of those things that it's kind of like a family heirloom where we have, you know, a couple sets of them and they're something that we always keep in the car. And when the kids learn how to drive, I think we we talked about this on, on another episode. We were talking about things that you keep in your car for emergency purposes. And that Leatherman pocket survival tool is one of those things that we always kind of have in a car, you know, somewhere you know, ready to go because it has, you know, it's like a, it's like a Swiss army knife in a way. And it's got all those different tools on it. So that's something that my husband introduced me to. Like I'd reached into the console and pull out and, Oh, what's this thing? And they'll start playing with it and taking it apart. And, oh, wow. That's really, really cool. And notice that he and everybody else in his family has one. And now we have several and they're going to go to the kids as soon as they start driving. That's going to be one of the first things that they get with their, their driver's license when it is that we can start driving and going out again. That is. <laughs> so that's, that wraps up my list. Um, what did you have, Elisa, that wasn't on those? I just had three more. Uh, number 15, and I thought you would have picked this one, Melissa, which is post-it notes. I did pick that one. In fact, I, I had I used those. I lived in them all the time when I worked out in industry. I just, I don't use them as much anymore. Again, it's one of those things where, yes, it was, I wouldn't consider it life-changing. It definitely facilitated business. It definitely facilitated life but it's something that I could live without and I have learned to live without because nowadays it's an additional expense. But those were definitely high up on the list. Those, well, those I used a post-it night to write my list. So, <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, number 28 is the New York City subway map. Mm -hmm. I love paper maps. Mm -hmm. Love them. I mean, I can be lost in a map for hours on end, just looking at where one place is in relation to another. And, oh, I didn't realize that that place was north of me. I thought it was west of me. Or I didn't know that this place was so close to this state. It, you know, I just love looking at maps and seeing where things are in relation to each other. And with the New York City subway map, I've only taken a subway a few times, and I've always been with someone who knew where they were going. So I just said, just tell me where we're supposed to pick up the subway. Mm -hmm. Or sometimes it's really easy, like when Tom and I used to go to New York, and take the subway, it would just be get on the subway and you're just going straight down the road for a couple of miles and then getting off. You don't have to transfer. When we had a transfer on the subway from New York City, Manhattan into Brooklyn, that was fun, uh -huh. especially coming back uh -huh. because they said, oh, you have to get over on the other side. How do we get to the other side? Nobody knew. Uh -huh. <laughs> That was a pain, but obviously we finally did it. But I just love looking at it to say, okay, well, if I take the red train, it'll take me here. And if I transfer to the orange train, it takes me into Queens. And if I take this, it take. 
I just love that stuff. I, I can just be, I can spend hours on that. And then the last one I have is number 51, which is Tupperware. Now, who among us right. has never had Tupperware? <laughs> I still have some Tupperware. I still that remember I going used. to the Tupperware parties with my mom when I was a kid. Yeah, they used to have the Tupperware parties. I mean, I I actually threw a couple because someone I knew was selling it and ended up getting free stuff in return. I still have a decent amount of Tupperware that I still use on a real, regular basis. The stuff lasts forever. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, so maybe they are a little bit more expensive in the scheme of things, but if you're using it every day and you have it for years and years and years, it's worth it. I've switched to glass. Like I've stuck with, you know, Rubbermaid and I like a glass container with a plastic lid. I've, I've been just trying, I've been on a, a, a quest to try to reduce the amount of plastic that's in my house. So yeah. see, now when I use glass, I break it. Right. Or, well, or Tom breaks it. Tom's, Tom's the one that has that break. I mean, every time I hear a crash, I'm like, what did you break now? Yeah. <laughs> and, and I have to wonder if something that's not going to make it on a future list is the lock and lock uh, products. Because my wife has oh, a lot uh-huh. of them. Uh, I never heard of that. Oh, well, it, it, maybe a QVC thing, but it's one of those things. So oh, okay. it, it has these things, uh, just lips that you, you flip down and they lock in place, which for me, taking lunch to work, uh, you know, they're pla- well, there's some glass ones there too with the plastic lids on them. But, you know, a lot of the ones that she sends to me is plastic because I can put them in my bag, the lid uh, is locked in place, and you don't have to worry about spilling anything. Uh, you know, it's good for that. Uh, they got all sorts. I mean, if you want to get lost sometime, like I said, I know they have them on QVC. Then they probably sell them other places too. But uh, just because they've got stuff for cereal, they got stuff for water. They've got little. They got big. They got all kinds of stuff. And like I say, their big thing is that it locks in place. It seals it tight. You know, kind of like the the Tupperware burp thing, uh, where you can. Uh, yeah. yeah, I have Corningware. Like, I think it's Corningware. I bought it at a Corningware outlet right. at um, uh, Woodbury Commons, and it's it's like you said, it's the it, it's five, it's four four or five. I think it's five bowls from teeny teeny tiny mm-hmm. to large that I use my salad for, and it's got the lid, and then it's got five things on the outside that you yeah, just kind of push thing. down and lock in place. And you know, maybe you know, maybe that's they're small potatoes but like i say in our house they're big stuff here because um you know because deb's always ordering them and she's got like you know piles of and the biggest problem is finding the right lid to go with the right yeah container uh but like I say, well, that's just a gussing. that's a childhood toy like that's a free toy right there we used to have we in our first kitchen before it got remodeled and when the kids were little one of the bottom lower cabinets i moved all the tupperware and the lid down there because, I mean, I'd given up on trying to match things, you know, just if you find it, you find it. If not, you're not. And I just had one entire cabinet that was devoted to all the plastic lids and containers and stuff. And I used to let my kids just sit on the floor in the kitchen and they would just look, oh, my God. To them, that was that was their Mr. Potato Head was just playing with the plastic food container things and just putting lids on things. And like, you know, they would have been you know, good enough at matching this stuff, that would have been perfect. But no, they would make a mess of it. It was one of those things where, yeah, it wasn't going to break. And so they could just pull it all out, put make a huge mess on the floor. And it was easy enough to just kind of scoop it up and shove it back in there and wash it when you need to use it. <laughs> but yeah, that, that made a, a really good toy. Elisa, when you're talking about the, the New York City subway map, that did bring back some, some good memories for me because um, I've only been to New York City a, a couple of times, like three, four times in maybe tops. And there was a time right before I moved out west here that I went all by myself. I got uh, one family member got me to the bus station 
and I got on a bus and I and I got myself all by myself. It was just like a thing where it was, you know, some kind of soul searching, exploring. You know, you go through that in, in your lifetime. And I got out there by myself on and I got out to the Port Authority and I got myself onto the subway and I was able to get myself like to Manhattan and navigate around New York City and get off, you know, a couple different stops, go to Times Square, walk around and stuff. And I remember having that that New York City subway map. And it was just like you described, like I loved studying it and looking at it. And I was like watching, you know, listening for the for the for them to announce where we were and, you know, looking out at the different stations to see where we were and then matching it up to the map. And, you know, just I was clung to that thing. It was like it was a survival tool, you know, making sure that because if because if you didn't get off, then you were screwed and then you had to go, you know, find some other way. But, yeah, just like connecting the dots like that and like literally on the map trying to figure out where you were going to go and where you wanted to be versus where you were actually going to end up. And uh, a little bit of a little little memory of, of Mac stock. The one year that I went, I think it was the second year, I think, that I went. And uh, our friend Brett, he's on Twitter. I'll, I'll link to him in, in the show notes. He is uh, he works in transportation. He's a transportation analysis, and he knows a lot about trains and a lot about how to get from point A to point B and stuff. And I remember we were trying to get places, and he knew the underground or the, the rail system so well because that's his, that's his thing. That's his jam. And for like two dollars, he was able to get us from. Wait, like it was Julie. In fact, it was Julie Kuehl when we were trying to get her, and we're meeting up with Don McAllister, and we were using Find My Friends, and we were all trying to, I guess, meet up with Don and getting Julie to her station. And it was like, well, we were looking at it where we were on the map, and like, oh, we're here. We got to get it all the way over there, and we only have this much time. And he was able to like put it together, and for like two dollars. We all hopped up on on this like little subway station and got in Chicago. Yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, Chicago is really cheap. Yeah, it was amazing. I was like, "What do you mean for two dollars we can get from here to there?" I was just, I was blown away. I just thought that was the coolest thing ever, and I just, I just loved it. So there's definitely something to be said for knowing how to get around places. Definitely, definitely. Whether it's a paper map, whether it's on your phone, whether it's on the wall, there's maps. Yeah, definitely is 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 a life is a game changer for sure. Well, yeah, and the last thing I wanted to say about this article, which is more to the point, I think, what they were trying to make, um, you know, if you scroll through the list here, you'll see different things like there's a vase here and a couple chairs and things <laughs> like that. And, you know, I think what they're the point they're making with these things is that the way you know, they change the way we look at things rather than a chair having to be just this boxy thing that you sat on that was utilitarian. You could bring a design um, aesthetic to it that it could look interesting. You had, you know, your modern design where these, uh, you know, they're kind of swoop and they, you know, like a bucket chair or something like that. Uh, and they've got the, the, like the vase that's got the kind of, you know, curly and everything. And so, you know, there's products like that that just change the way we look at things and that things they don't have to be, you know, uh, straight up utilitarian. They can be kind of eye-catching. They can, you know, uh, engage the mind. They can be, or design can be useful too. Just maybe by changing the way that we do things. Because I think an IKEA bookshelf made it in here. Uh, yeah. Just, uh, and I don't know, you know, basically why, but you know, it's like book lovers loved it or something because it's just simple and you could put it together and store your books and show them off and everything. So I think, you know. The thing we need to keep in mind about design is it doesn't always have to be, you know, uh, it can be pleasing to the eye, too, so that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because we have to use these things every day, and they might as well be comfortable, or they might as well be nice to look mm -hmm. at, or... Ergonomic. 
Yeah, uh, economical or, you know, for me, like, uh, I like chairs at, at the school here, you know, design mm -hmm. chairs that will stack together nicely so you can move mm -hmm. them. Just certain, you know, design aesthetics like that that make, you know, either a job easier, makes it more comfortable, uh, pleasant to look at, whatever. So, you know, and the design is something I don't think we necessarily think about all the time but somebody's got to sit there and go well it's got to look like this so um mm -hmm. and, you know maybe a shout out to all those people who do take the time to think things through and um uh, you know that's what i got my bachelor's degree in 20 years ago this month <laughs> okay i wanted to i wanted to and one more thing <laughs> uh, i wanted to mention something that i didn't see on the list and correct me if i'm wrong but uh we were talking about browsers a little bit netscape and stuff like that and the one thing that i wanted to wrap this up and put a neat bow on it with is the fact that when elisa first discovered this article that we've been discussing you know it's been really mm -hmm. fun you know talking about all this stuff is a really really great find elisa um you originally found it in paper form it was a magazine that you had read in paper and then you sent each of us the link. And then as we were going to read it, it was um, it's from Fortune.com and it's behind a paywall. So we couldn't read it without a subscription. You know, they tease you and they give you a little bit. So the other thing that I wanted to add to this list is uh, the Safari browser and the reader view tool. Uh, because that's what was it, that's what enabled us to be able to read the entire article and actually scroll through the list and be able to go through it, you know, and look at the numbers and everything and all the, the pictures. Because just the... The regular view alone, it's filled with ads and it's behind a paywall, so you can only get so far. But when, uh, so so just a tip out there in case people don't already know, when you're in the Safari web browser, whether it's on iOS or macOS, you can uh, enable what's called reader view. So on iOS, if you're on your iPhone and you're looking at the link that you just tapped on, say somebody texted it to you, and you go to scroll and you can't read it anymore because the you know something will slide up and show you that there's a paywall there. <clears throat> In the upper left corner, you'll see a little A and a big A. And when you tap on that, you're given some different options. You can you know enlarge the type and things like that. And the second choice down is show reader view. And when you turn that on, it strips away the ads and all of the other kind of, you know, stuff that gets in the way. And it just shows you the text with, with a couple of the inline images. Like in this article, there's a lot of images that they've put in line with the text. And they're even animated. And it allows you to be able to scroll through the article and you can actually read it. So, and then in, on macOS, when you're in Safari, similarly, it's in the upper left corner of the URL or the address bar. You'll see an icon that looks like a paragraph icon. And when you hover over that, it says show reader view. And when you click on it, it'll do the same thing. It'll strip away everything else. And, you know, it's designed, I don't think it's necessarily designed to be a way to get around paywalls. Of course, that's really a nice feature. But it's designed to strip out all the other distractions because you know how there'll be little videos that pop up and then they play or little GIFs that constantly animate in the background. And that drives me nuts when I'm trying to read something. It's like if I really want a Harry Potter newspaper, then, you know, yeah. But no, I just want to read text on a page and I want it to stay still, damn it. So I encourage everyone to try that out if they haven't, is show reader view and well, read your text nice and neatly. Or where I found it was I went over to the menu bar to view and then show reader is the other way to okay. get to yep. it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the uh, keyboard command is shift command R for reader, show and hide reader. So that's three different ways that you can 
focus on the text that you actually want to read. Okay. Well, uh, I think now we'll move on to our, our picks. And we're going to do something a little bit different this time. Is It's like, what are we most looking forward to when you know restrictions are lifted? And to be honest, here in South Dakota, they're starting to lift some already. I've kind of done one of the things I want to do. We actually went out and ate in a restaurant yesterday. We sat down. And, you know, they're taking precautions. They've taken half the tables out. They put plexiglass in between the booths so that people can sit there and everything. But I would say the the other thing I kind of want to do, which is sort of along the same line, is when to be able to go down to Sioux Falls, because that was something we were trying to do once a month, because Sioux Falls is South Dakota's metropolitan area. Uh, we tried to get down there once a month. We had a Costco membership. We like to go down there, get some stuff at shop, uh, Costco, um, find a different restaurant to eat that we hadn't been to before. And just Deb and me and the two boys just, you know, didn't get out of, uh, out of Clark, not a Watertown for a while. So I guess for me, that's what I'm most looking forward to is being able to go back down to, you know, Sioux Falls and just be able to get out and travel a little bit. Um, Elisa, what is it you're looking forward to? I have two things, and I already have plans for both these things. Mm -hmm. It's still up in the air if they're going to happen. But number one is concerts. I have Mm -hmm. a bunch of tickets for concerts this summer. It doesn't start till the mid-July, so we'll see what happens. It's not looking good, but we will see what happens. I want to go to my concerts. And number two is going to the beach. I am supposed to, after a concert in New York City, we are supposed to then go to the Jersey Shore, my brother and sister-in-law renting a house for a week. So we were supposed to go down there for a couple of days so we can go to the Jersey Shore. Again, that's probably not going to happen. But that's what I'm looking forward to. So I guess in the meantime, I just have to look forward to my pool being open. Hmm. Small, small uh which i'm not complaining about small victories not not complaining about being able to you know veg by the pool okay and and melissa besides being able to throw your kids out of the house what else are you uh (laughs) looking forward to well it's sort of along the lines of that is like taking my kids out of the house and taking them Mm. to one of these places and then being able to just kind of hang back a little bit uh similar to lisa this involves a little bit of water and uh i was we were just talking about this the other day and trying to figure out you know in the summer what are we going to do? Like I had plans for the summer because my husband was supposed to be and we're, we don't know what the status is of that, but he was going to be doing an internship this summer, which meant that, you know, he wasn't going to get a break for the third summer in a row and be working still. And so I have to try to, you know, single mom it for a little while and try to figure out how to entertain the kids. And so I had already bought tickets to, and I don't know if, if they're going to still be able to honor these. We have a local park here called uh, Fantastics. And so, you know, you can apply this to other things. But basically what I miss doing and what I look forward to doing once we can safely is to go to amusement parks or outdoor family fun parks. Um, That's something that, you know, out here it's like really, really hot in the summer and it's just oppressive at times. And splash pads are really popular. You know, going to someplace, a watering hole, if you will, for for kids um, where you can go and just, you know, kind of hang out in the mist. You know, put your sunblock on, go in there, get wet. It's kind of like a, a good way of cooling off. You know, we have actually successfully ha- hosted a few birthday parties. My son's birthday is at the end of June, so in the dead of the heat. And we were able to successfully host outdoor birthday parks when they were by a splash pad because the mist is what keeps everybody cool, you know, in that hot, hot air. Can't have it for very long, but it's definitely an option. So um, I put a link to our local Fantastics here, and I'm, I'm sure there's other local places as well but they just opened up a water park not long ago 
you know, where you can go in and it is kind of like a glorified splash pad. It looks really cool in the pictures. So I'm looking forward to checking that out because I've got to figure out something to do with these kids. <laughs> I'm going to lose my mind. It's already been a couple of months. And, you know, it's this is the time of year where out here we we did the opposite of, you know, what you could do out there in the winter and you hibernate. We estivate. We stay inside and hunker down. And, you know, we're under umbrellas for the sun, you know, for, for the shade. And we're always constantly seeking shade or water or places to cool off or practically reptiles. <laughs> So this time of year, we're used to staying indoors and we become very vitamin D deficient because even though the sun is out there, it's so hot and so blazing and it just gets worse and worse and it's so extreme. So we have to find some ways to cool off and 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 do it outdoors early enough or late enough. You know, screw the middle of the day. That's when we have to sleep because, you know, that's the only time that you can get out is early morning or late in the evening. So that's going to be a challenge coming up trying to figure out what the hell to do. <laughs> So I'm hoping that we'll find a way to safely be able to go. I mean, just imagine like, you know, wiping down the, the go-karts. I mean, I would love to get in a go-kart and just like go drive around. You wouldn't have to wear a mask because you'd be outside and there would be free-flowing air and you could wipe down the seat and wipe down the, you know, the straps and everything. Like you could sanitize it. It's going to take longer. The lines are going to be a mile long. But hey, you know, you'll be grateful, right? <laughs> mm. So I'm looking forward to that stuff. Okay. Well, I think with that, we'll start our introductions here and let people know where they can uh, find out more about us. So, uh, Elisa, why don't you tell people where they can find out more about you? Okay. On Twitter, I'm at Sensei Dai, and I'm also at 3geekyladies.com with the number three spelled out, which is the other podcast I do with Vicki Stokes and Suze Gilbert. Okay. And Melissa, where can people find out uh, all the things that you do? I am online at The Mac Mommy, or you can go to my website, themacmommy.com. And I wanted to give a shout out, uh, my friend Patrice, she has a podcast called Foodie Flashback, and uh, she's going to be soon airing an episode that I did with her. And so once I get the link for that, I'll, I'll add those to the show notes and we'll update the post or I'll put it on my website. So you can look forward to me talking about food. So have some, have a snack ready. Ooh. Uh, what I'm trying to avoid. But anyway, um, <laughs> and if you want to find out more about me, you can just uh, head on over to Mike-McPeak, that's M-C-P-E-E-K.com, and I've got all the stuff that I do over there. And if you want to find out more about the uh, show, head over to geekiestshowever.com. Reviews and comments on iTunes are always welcome, and we thank everyone who does that. We hope you've enjoyed the show as much as we have, and don't forget between now and next week to hug a geek and then wipe him down. <laughs> Wash your hands. <laughs> that too. Hi, this is Dave Ginsberg. I'm the host of In Touch with iOS, a podcast that talks about iPhone, iPad, Apple Watch, Apple TV, and anything related to those technologies. Um, with my along with my co-host Warren Sklar, um, we get in depth with a lot of great things that relates to iOS and and its technologies, I'd love to give you to give it a listen. Uh, you can find us at intouchwithios.com, or we are in Apple Podcasts or any uh, podcatcher will be able to find us. Um, but uh, give us a listen. We'd love to have you listening to uh, those great technologies and relating to iOS. Thanks. Thanks.